Um, I've got a couple of like really kind of shining moments in my career. Giving Annie Lennox a hug. Uh, oh. Hey, this is Party Like a Rockstar podcast, and I'm your host, Joel. Today's episode is brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an LA-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese on the market today. They're lactose-free, paleo, keto, kosher, perev, and 100% vegan. If you like what you see, check out the next video. If you like this video, please subscribe and like by clicking the little round button on the bottom right. To learn more about me or our other guests on the show, go to joelrody.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. The handle is joelrody. If you haven't already read my book, Memoir of a Roadie, it's now available through Amazon and paperback Kindle or as an audiobook. I hope you enjoy the show. Olivia Sebesky is a multimedia art director and motion graphics designer specializing in live entertainment. She's designed for artists and brands including James Taylor, Aerosmith, Hootie and the Blowfish, Darius Rucker, Simone Biles, Nike, Bloomberg, Peloton. Did I say it right? Peloton. <laughs> Peloton, I asked before I started, I got it wrong still. Peloton, Soho House, TED Talks, New York Fashion Week, Middle Beast Sound Storm. Olivia was chosen as one of Live Design's 30 Under 30. And most recently, her work was featured in Like a Woman, a documentary about women who are breaking barriers working in male-dominated professions. Kirsten Larissa Hovland is a post-disciplinary Artists specializing in pixels, programming, and light for music and performance. She has served as adjunct faculty in both the Video for Performance and Art for Technology programs at California Institute of the Arts. Hovland is a co-founder and principal artist at Electronic Countermeasures, an LA-based firm specializing in immersive experiences and environments of all shapes, sizes, and mediums. She's worked with the Foo Fighters, Beck, the 1975, Alt-J, and Paul McCartney. Colleen Wittenberg is a disguise programmer and operator and an LED technician. She's worked for John Mayer, U2, Aerosmith, Carrie Underwood. <laughs> I got her name wrong. <laughs> one of my, we'll have to go back because one of my favorites there. You go, poor Carrie Underwood, Smashing Pumpkins, the Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney. Coldplay and Janet Jackson. So, which one is our favorite CD other than Olivia's CD? Because <laughs> Olivia came out with a CD. <laughs> oh my God, you went deep. You went I went deep. <laughs> <laughs> but it is streaming on Spotify, so it's easy to listen to. Yes, I have three monthly listeners. It's a, uh, you know, it's really good. I get all my royalty checks. Yeah, the royalty. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel too bad i don't know if the big boys get big royalty checks off of spotify anymore either actually there is no anymore it was never so yeah anyway have you guys all worked together we have. yes we have Lucky we just you. did that middle beast soundstorm okay what is that oh my oh gosh boy. <laughs> <laughs> i'm out of the loop i'm out of the loop it, it was a giant four-day um electronic festival in the desert and so in um, Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah. really neat. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think uh, I heard one of the guys say that at the end of it, they will have brought in close to 17,000 people from overseas to work on this festival. That's incredible. 
Yeah, they were having a hard time actually getting everybody travel visas because mm-hmm. it was too many for the whole country to process all at one time. Wow. Yeah. All three of you went there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, how neat is we that? all uh, landed at about the same time and met in the, uh, met up yeah. the <laughs> we line. went through customs together. Yeah. <laughs> do you have time to do cultural stuff while you're there? Go see things or? We had, we had exactly one, one day. day. <laughs> one day. Yeah. And we packed it. It was. We great. did. <laughs> Colleen organized a tour. <laughs> got a guy to drive us around and see all the things and get some food and yeah, we had fun. That is good. Yeah, that's good. good food? Yes, food really good. Yeah, we eat camel. <laughs> we did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> is it like stringy, like a horse? No, it was. It was yeah, it's delicious. I've never eaten horse, but. Yeah, yeah no, 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 horse on my list either. I don't know. I haven't done the horse, but I think it's stringy. That's what you, I, bread. I don't know. I watched a lot of the Beverly Hills. goat, I think, than anything else I can. Yeah, to. yeah. Kind of like goat. Kind of a fatty, dense. Yeah, it was nice. Was it like a stew or a hamburger? Stew. No. <laughs> well, yeah. sort of like a stew on, on rice. There's a whole thing like, you know, the big metal pot, they flip it upside down and, you know, the rice comes out and it's all golden and beautiful. Yeah. I can talk about food this whole podcast. This is now a food podcast. All the kooky foods they make stew, like dogs and cats and Asia, whatever. It's always stew. Mm. On that note, <laughs> I yeah, can't comment there. Uh, did you guys do Paul McCartney together too, or it's just happenstance? No, different uh, different eras. I think I I just did some content um, at 2016, maybe around. Uh, stop motion stop motion piece uh, hand-drawn animated piece and then um, some, some 3d cg but colleen when when were you there i was i was actually on it in 2016 and so i was on it on the tail end of his tour and then i took it to um desert trip when they did that big giant old old cello festival as old they were cello, yeah. <laughs> right. in the desert so oh, yeah, we, i didn't tour with them at all i just do i do the usually make the thing and then just hand it over to the media server people yeah. was that egypt out. station is that that album that you guys were doing is that the tour or did he tour on that or no um oh what was the name of the tour it was like the one or something like that i can't remember hmm. um i actually just dropped off today i have one of the very early beatles posters i just dropped off to get linen back because it's starting to come apart but it's from like 62 or 63 cool. yeah it's oh, really wow. old it's really neat anyway so i have to ask here what is a disguise programmer <laughs> it's a media server so it's basically yeah, the you know how grand ma uh lighting desks have become kind of synonymous in the lighting world that it this is what you program on so it's the same thing for a lot of concerts and things like that the disguise servers have basically found that niche in there and of course there's others but you know, it's the main, um, the main contender in a lot of bidding wars and stuff like that. It has great horsepower and it can make sure that the graphics that people want are actually portrayed properly. So I was thinking like, you're like the inspector gadget. Like, <laughs> it used like to be called stuff or free. I mean, it sounds very like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got an entire strange little toolkit, but <laughs> yeah. So how did you get into what you do? I'll start with you, Colleen, if you don't mind. What, what did what it was the catalyst that drove you in the direction you're in now? Um, happenstance. So I mean, it's just it's kind of it was kind of one of those situations where um, one thing led to another that led to another, and I just somehow found myself um, 
basically on the road and I found myself doing these type of jobs. And then I um, have a very, had a very good, um, I guess you want to say um, intuition on signal flow. And so that kind of led me into more of the server world and that kind of world. Hmm. What was your first nationwide tour? I used to tour with WWE. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So they were, they were actually my first real kind of like on the road kind of tour. So I had so. Snake Sable on here from a Skid Row. Oh, okay. And he just went, they took the deepest dive of wrestling, which I know like nothing about. <laughs> and he, he can't, they were, it was hours. I had to do like three or four episodes. I, Cause I, I did one with them for like, you know, the usual, we did like an hour, we're chatting away. And then he's like, you know, I got to pick up my kids. Can we, can we do this again in an hour? <laughs> what else do you want to talk about snake? You know, <laughs> but snake is a great storyteller. So he's like, well, we'll come back in an hour. We'll figure it out. Oh my God. All right. So I called up my buddy who was a WWE wrestler. His name was uh, Damian Sandow. He's just, I know him. Yeah. Sweetheart. He's such a nice guy. So Aaron is his name. And so I brought him on as a surprise, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, we're back with our special guest. <laughs> and, you know, and Snake knew more about his career than he did. It was incredible how that's awesome. he was. But uh, it was a fun one. You know, they're nice guys. A lot of these WWE guys are cool. It's just, they're, they're, oh, they're nice beautiful. People. Yeah. I say it was like touring with 72 older brothers that I didn't want. So, <laughs> <laughs> you really have an older brother? No. So. No, no one to compare then. No one to compare. Oh, but if I have, I'm an older sister, so I can kind of get an idea of how an older brother would be. Okay. How about you, Olivia? What, what got you into uh, the hemisphere you work in? Well, I actually was a painting major when I was in college and um, I kind of quickly realized, what's that? Did you paint that behind you? I did actually. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thanks. um, You know, I kind of my second year in, I realized that I didn't love just always being by myself in a studio. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love being by myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely an introvert, but um, I realized that I didn't know I wanted to always be in solitude and always have to come up with every single part of my art. And I, I was drawn to the idea of being a collaborator on a project where I could bring my own piece, but then not be the full responsibility. So I, um, I thought about set design for a little while and I was assisting a set designer um, named Justin Townsend. He's known more as a lighting designer, but he's in the Broadway world. And um, that was right in the beginning when they started really doing projection design more in the theater. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked on this show called A Night with Janis Joplin, which went to Broadway. And it, the projection in that was my first sort of like moment of realizing like sitting behind the computer of the designer and, and knowing that I had used some of those programs in school after effects and photoshop and I just realized that projection was basically a way to paint super super big and I just loved that so it was those two things that really solved a puzzle for me and then I just kept going with it Monet water lilies large and in charge <laughs> no more like more like you know, simple gestures. I mean, I really, I'm a contemporary art nerd. I love modern art. And so, but when, when you really think about, you know, like even something as simple as not simple, like something like a Rothko or, you know, like a big painting that has beautiful washes of color, the amount of 
paint resources time that it actually takes to even experiment on that kind of a scale it just that would that annoyed me like I like to be able to just throw something up and see if it works so that's what I love about video projection that you can make a simple gesture but because it's so big it has a particular impact that you just wouldn't have on a smaller scale do you paint on canvas anymore or not lately I do it's just you know I've so little time these days but during the pandemic I really leaned into it since we were all you know trying to figure out what we were going to do so you're dabbling in creative stuff always you had your music and then you're in the, and you're just trying to I guess find your path but you wanted creativity oh yeah yeah definitely I mean I grew up in a family of musicians so oh, I just <laughs> <laughs> I was always around music and art and performance and it just it never even crossed my mind that art wasn't a feasible career option yeah so. I was a mid-century modern contemporary art dealer for about a decade were you really? I really was. Yeah. That's, oh my God. We probably have so much. Do you have an art collection? Yeah. You know, not as extensive as it once was. I sold a lot. And then the stuff I liked, you've got to be really into it to, to, yeah. carry, you know, most of the stuff is man. I had a man Ray paper mache. Ooh, cool. <laughs> You're an art I love dork. Man You're Ray. Like, but most people be like, who the, who's that? Like, no, I feel like Kirsten and I are probably like, oh, man Ray is like amazing for all the like, photograms and all of that stuff that he did like a lot of my um early experiments with video design I was looking at that as a a, a like a, a starting point of like how do I get to sort of an abstraction I liked them a lot and it was because of that it was walking everybody keeps picking on uh or not picking on but they always uh <laughs> Spain what is it everybody taught that's the artist that everybody brings up not Picasso but Salvador Dali, everybody, Salvador Dali, Salvador Dali. Uh, oh God, there's other people. Yeah. There's other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was a good career. I liked it. And then uh, I got into memorabilia a bit after that. But memorabilia was interesting because they didn't really care where you got it and what you paid for it. They want it. <laughs> right. So uh, with art, uh, you can quickly look up and see where I got it and what I paid for it, which is great for provenance. But the second side of it is, why are you charging me double? <laughs> Who the hell are you? Right. For the next <laughs> golf things, you know, and so it's a tough career. You have smaller margins. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I know actually a lot more about that than you think. I, my first job was um, working at a contemporary art gallery. Actually, I worked for a gallery called Samson in Boston for five years and still have a relationship with those artists. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just starting out and I was the uh, I called this gallery in New York. I was researching an artist. I can't remember the name of. It was really neat. I swear it looked like Marge Simpson, but it was done in the 20s. And uh, the lady there, we had a good chat and she had talked to me. I guess I brought up I was a roadie. And I, I don't know. Years later, I call Christie's and she's like, do you still have that piece by Bobbity Blah? And I'm like, um, or no, she, no, before that, she says, you're Joel Miller, right? You were the one who worked in music. You worked for Stone Tumble Pilots. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm like, I'm never going to work with Christie's for sure. And I'm kind of like, why, why do you remember that? And she's like, oh, I remember everything, hon. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I feel bad for your husband. She's all, and you damn well should too. Cause when he gets home, I'm throwing him a whooping tonight. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> and she just goes on this tangent. In the meantime, You're I like, can sign Ew. the piece to Christie's with her. And I am. Cool. Yeah, it was really funny. So people's nice. memories, you know, but she's like, yeah, it was cool. But, but it was, I can't think of the artist's name, but he's neat. If I can think of it, you guys should look him up because it's just, 
very early on for such a different look and design very interesting cats so anyhow cool kirsten definitely not last at least but amaze <laughs> us with with what with what you do what got you going what got me uh so origin star i started in computer engineering actually um and i had never drawn really or painted or anything before uh deciding to switch tracks but i was yeah i was working I you know, put myself through undergrad as a local crew stagehand at the Hilton Coliseum. Um, oh. So I was loading, loading a lot of trucks, <laughs> uh, you know, do the 3 a.m., do the 3 a.m. thing, go to sleep for a few hours, get up for 8 a.m. class sort of deal. You know how, how it goes. Um, and uh, as I was kind of nearing the end of that degree, I had also been working at the Virtual Reality Application Center at Iowa State, so doing dabbling a bit in in the motion graph or not motion graphics exactly but the you know the animation and the level design and sort of the game design art thing um so started kind of taking some classes alongside of that in art to try and try and find that balance somewhere where I would be be useful there but uh as I was uh, getting a little older and wiser and figuring out what I was doing I was realizing that uh, the only places I was getting hired and indeed all of the research projects that I was doing was actually um, they're all defense projects, oh. uh, especially specifically drone stuff. Um, so they pay on time is what we're getting at. They, they do. And they pay fairly well. Um, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do the mental gymnastics that made me kind of okay with that. And outside of that, you know, in, in back then years, years and years ago, at this point, the, you know, virtual reality was, that was the only people paying for it. Yeah. Um, and the only people really hiring for what I was doing. So I sort of bailed, um, <laughs> like flip table throughout whole career, start over. Um, and so went like full on into animation uh, and graduated in time for the 2008 financial crisis. Oh. So uh, <laughs> uh, all of my fantastic job offers just evaporated. Oh. Um, three of them or two were fantastic. One was okay and just gone. Uh, so I've, I've done this whole pandemic, you know, whole thing, whole world evaporate thing twice. Uh, this is sort of like that first time meme. Um, you're not above to loading trucks again. If you have no, uh, well, if there were trucks to load, I certainly would have in 2020, yeah. um, yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, so I went back, yeah, loading trucks. And then I, uh, I went and visited a friend, you know, in this kind of downtime I had while I was trying to figure out my my life went and saw a Nine Inch Nails concert god I'm wearing a Nine Inch Nails shirt <laughs> anyway uh, but it was lights in the sky and it had all this audio reactive and you know sound reactive sound reactive touch reactive all this like light reactive programming in it so it was all this sort of interactive um, animation interactive video and I'm like well shit this is everything I know how to do like I'm already dealing with human computer interaction and, you know, I've got this whole degree mostly in computer science and computer engineering, and I've got this whole degree in animation and video and, you know, I've got the aesthetic plus I've loaded trucks for the last 10 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, this is everything. How do I do it? How do I, how do I, how do I start here? So. Have you guys gone to those, uh, those immersive, uh, immersive experiences like the Van Gogh or the Monet ones have, have you gone to any of those or have you guys worked on any of them? I haven't. Uh, I've, I find that less for me, less fascinating. Um, I haven't like, gone, so I don't know what to compare it to, but uh, why so, why, why less interesting? 
Well, it's a, I mean, for, for me, and I know a lot of people, this isn't, I'm, you know, I'm old and dated and we've done a lot of projection. Like it's just a lot of projection in a big empty warehouse and it's not very bright and it's not very saturated. And it doesn't to me feel like the pictures I see of even the professionally taken ones that they've definitely edited feel like the experience of being in the painting. It's sort of. It's like the Damien Hurst of contemporary art. It's just not that good. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to say that because I know it's a lot of work, but like for for me, that experience, the experience of seeing the, the paintings by Van Gogh, I did go to a Van Gogh exhibit at the, um, uh, what's that museum in Pasadena? Uh, the oh, the, Norton uh, Simon. Norton Simon's a great yeah. museum. It's just a little, it was just all of his paintings of nighttime all in one gallery and it was incredible and they're all this big you know they're, they're, they're these little studies and I was like what you're talking about Olivia and I'm uh, realizing as I'm saying this I'm not that's not a uh, it's not a cut on like make it bigger it's more interesting but there was something very gripping about the actual medium that it was in um and and the the light and the reflecting versus the light emissive versus all this this stuff that so yeah, for like to see the Van Gogh exhibit, you know, and especially in the pandemic with its little circles on the floor that you go stand in, mm-hmm. um, you know, for some people that's incredible and that's how they, you know, it brings the art to life for them. And, and I think, I think that's, that's great. Like, um, but for me, it, it feels washed out and, and commercial and, you know, that Norton Simon exhibit was See, I think the commercials were exact. Well, that's the word. I think <laughs> and this one was fifty. They wanted me to pay fifty-eight dollars plus parking to to go in and see something really big. When I went and supported the Norton Simon for twelve bucks, and uh, um, yeah, yeah. I feel like if nothing else, though, I mean, obviously, now that you're saying it's fifty bucks, then that maybe changes what I was thinking about it. But I guess the only reason I feel a little differently about those is just that it it brings one more person in the door of understanding that they have access to a museum or even appreciation for art. Like, I think that, I mean, I'm, it's my comfort zone to go into a a museum and just sort of observe paintings and be by myself. But Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, that's a really intimidating experience. So it's like, maybe that Van Gogh immersive is the first stepping stone to then, oh, maybe we should go to the Met or whatever. Um, I just designed over the pandemic, actually, I designed a a piece for this contemporary, brand new contemporary art museum in um, St. Petersburg, um, Florida. And it, it, it's pretty much like the closest you could get to something like that. It's a super wide, super large um, six minute projection piece that just creates the whole atmosphere for the room. And but that the mission of that place is that it's the tickets are really cheap and it's, you know, it's in a community that is underserved in terms of cultural access. So I guess maybe I connected those two, but maybe it doesn't apply if it's so expensive to go, then it's like, well, then it's just rich people who could go to the museum who just go to see the Van Gogh. I don't know. Oh, things will change. Maybe is I I know they're going to continue to be more popular. Those, those exhibits are doing really well. Mm-hmm. well it's 65 bucks a pop or whatever they probably really <laughs> look at what it off. actually is or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really the price then they'll probably group on it yeah yeah <laughs> any of you guys have any um hiccups that you would so usually i'll ask these guys you know what venues have you worked at where you're kind of like i can't believe i'm here it's terrible <laughs> or 
you know, Cosmo, obviously we talked about Cosmo Wilson a little bit. Somebody wanted to come on Cosmo and I, I vetoed it. Instead, I brought on three people. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you guys have any hiccups that come to mind maybe as you were creating things that uh, developed into something else that might've been maybe off the cusp, like a good thing where you're kind of like, wow, that actually looks kind of neat. Maybe I'll stick with it or anything that you guys can think of like that. A happy accident. I mean, maybe happy accident or, or, uh, you could talk about a problematic rock star. People love that crap. Oh boy. (laughs) I mean, Colleen and I know who Steven Tyler is. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think he knows. He knows. In 2019. I don't. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, he's, yeah. Yeah, no, he doesn't know. He's so my girlfriend's kind of... name is Aaron Brady. So when he was married to her, it was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got divorced from her, though. He did. Anyway. Yeah, I whatever. think I think uh, his personal assistant slash girlfriend, I thought her name was Laura, but I could be wrong. Did he so... like the stuff you guys put together? Yeah. He loved the content. Yeah. Um, no, I was also his video director. So, I mean, I've, there's very few things in the world that is more embarrassing than having your lead singer call you by name from the stage. So when he's decided he doesn't like something and um, that's, that's Mr. Tyler. So he does, he marches to, he doesn't even march to, to his own drummer. He marches to his own different marching band. It's just, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of Aerosmith people on here, a lot of the crews and stuff. And uh that's because the turnover is so high. It's kind of one of those, like, you have to, like, do Aerosmith, like, you know, right so you have that war stories. You're not allowed to be a real roadie until you've, like, dealt with that kind of thing. <laughs> it was like, here's your suit. Oh, you've gone through Aerosmith. Here's your new Dakota ring. <laughs> you know, welcome to the club. <laughs> so, All right. No, so when I was first putting this together, I'm in my mid forties now. And so a lot of my friends have kids and my friend's daughter is in fifth grade and she was with her little friends and collectively they came up with a question that they said, I should ask every guest. It's actually proven to be a really good one. And so my question to each of you is when did you first feel famous? Now, if fame is not a road you want to go down and answering the question, that's totally fine. Remember this was little kids. But uh, when was there a time in your career that was a catalyst to the next level? Um, when was there a moment that you'd like to cherish? What would you say each of you would choose? Oh, man. <laughs> I actually, the rose and thorn so far of my career actually was that Aerosmith show. Hmm. The thorn meaning that it was just really, really hard work and really long hours and stressful and chaotic but the rose of it was um it was the first opportunity for me to really lean into my style as an artist for a concert and um what I built most specifically for that was this 35 minute pre-show that played in lieu of an opening act and that entire 35 minute film was was composed of a lot of archival stuff but um it was basically entirely art directed and animated by me not basically it was entirely art directed and animated by me and um and it I really felt proud of it as a piece like I kind of went into the room being like even if we make so many changes and we don't keep this I'm so proud of this piece and um I remember we showed it to the band we had kind of a 
screening for them so they could see it. And I'm so nervous as they're watching. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to hear that they need to change this notes, whatever. And when the piece finished, they, all the band members got up and turned around and gave me a round of applause. (laughs) And that was like the most generous thing. You know, I recognize in that moment of just how lucky I was to have that recognition and, you know, that appreciation. So I'll definitely remember that one. Did you get it? Let's hear it for Amy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think they did call me by my right name at that moment, but uh, (laughs) yeah, it was really cool. Really, it is really, really cool. cool. That's great. Just to they... interject, that piece was really amazing. It was Thanks. beautifully done. So it was a very huge highlight of that show. Can we find that kind of stuff online or is it owned by the band and they keep it under wraps or how does that work? I'm sure it's online somewhere. I'm sure yeah. somebody has put it online. Um, you I know. have some samples on my website, but not a full, I mean, obviously not a full string out. That's obviously the rights of the band. Yeah. You'll have to come, I guess the, um, the, the residency is going back up in Vegas so in June and go back to Vegas and see it. There you yeah. go. There you go. If you could say hi to Cosmo. <laughs> yeah, I would. We'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would. I like Cosmo. <laughs> What's not to like, I wore my Hawaiian shirt when he came on. I nice. <laughs> I had to, I had to. He's the best. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. He's a good I guy. love the fact that he used to own 365 Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> One for he owns cosmo.com <laughs> what yeah has anybody ever tried to buy it from him it's a huge story ask him about it it's crazy oh cosmopolitan obviously wanted it oh i'm <laughs> sure afterwards <laughs> I, I was like we, we had finished the interview and he's telling me about it i'm like what else you know <laughs> then what happened so it was this whole thing but he owns cosmo.com that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of neat. All right, who's up next? What do you got? When did you first feel famous, Kirsten? Um, I've got a couple of like really kind of shining moments in my career. Giving Annie Lennox a hug. Uh, oh, she's great. That's isn't she, she. She came to like this was when we were still working out of our house. Uh, she's like, "Well, we'll just come to your studio and we'll look at some things." Uh, and I'm like, "Well, we work out of our house, but you're welcome." And <laughs> came and sat on our couch and drank tea and <laughs> looked at content for her uh, LACMA uh, performance. Um, but really, look, uh, the VMAs last year, uh, working for the Foo Fighters, I did their their three um, their three song medley kind of as they were get, getting the Icon Award. And um, we put up, we I did this this ma- it was a massive stage, it was like two two sides like an a and a b stage this big moon man that's projected on a flag um you know it's also projected on it's just led floor led everywhere um and we dug through the archives um and you know in contact with all of the various mtv and all of that and put together this this moving collage of all of their music videos and tapes of performances they'd done through the years and just hundreds and hundreds of images it took took a lot to put together um of course it had to happen fast because nothing ever is enough lead time with a thing like that but uh watching them because I was actually at the VMAs working in kind of a different capacity too watching them stand on stage the first time you know we, we threw it up to show them and just like wow like look we did that like oh there, there we did that remember that thing that's and cool like, like yeah and especially now um with the uh the loss of Taylor um you know just even more 
meaningful to me to like to have been even a small part of that last few years yeah um, I was supposed to have him on here <laughs> and oh, no. so it was unfortunate yeah I had there's a street busker in Scotland and I was going to bring him on with the street busker and surprise the street busker so we've just been Aww. trying to figure dates but the Foo Fighters have been so busy <laughs> yeah. it was a little bit difficult so it didn't happen but I wrote to the guy and I was like so here's the deal <laughs> like I just was gonna let you know this guy actually listened to your music and he did like it and he was gonna come on so keep playing man keep playing <laughs> so I told him we'll figure out something else but uh really really talented dude Ben Monteith if you ever listened to really really amazing performers so anyway but yeah Taylor was a pretty cool guy he was a good guy yeah the whole I mean everyone in that camp was good people yeah they're nice we got uh, <laughs> not to end on a plane. no please <laughs> um Sorry. I, know, I was gonna say I don't really even have an answer I'm not really sure I have a very good answer to that question um I in a in a this is not supposed to sound in any way um, to diminish anything that I've done, but in comparison to the other two ladies that I'm here with, they do really amazing creative things. Like what they get to do is stuff that makes people famous. It's like, I'm the button pusher behind the scenes that basically just make sure that what they have done is actually um the movie was called The Wizard of Oz. It was <laughs> I liked Inspector Oz. Gadget, so I liked that one. <laughs> Inspector um, Gadget? I did like that one. But no, this past summer, um, I toured with Alanis Morissette in Garbage, and I was uh, her video director. And that was like the first time that I really got to be creative in the sense where anything that went to the screen was basically my doing, in a way. Um, I shouldn't say that. That's actually That actually seems way too... I'll probably ask you to edit that part out. Um, but it was more like my, I let my camera guys kind of run wild and what they produced was so amazing. And so with my, what I viewed it as is that I would just stitch their pretty pictures all together to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was like, and I kept calling it summer camp and I still will continue to call it summer camp because a, I mean, the lineup was great. The people were great. Everybody was down to earth. Everybody was just happy to be back. We had just survived the pandemic. We were one of those tours that was right on the brink of summer. Um, and we also then shot garbage. So the garbage camp came to us and was basically, we we're talking about how many cameras and whatnot. And we kind of somehow landed on this idea that the entire video department would also do garbage so we did an hour-long garbage set and then we did a two-hour-long Alana set every night and I kept asking my camera guys and my handheld guys like you guys okay that's a long time to be holding a camera yeah and they were like no this is great I mean and they were great troopers and they're very very excellent camera people like I can't talk to them up enough for what they were able um to pull off I mean like crazy shots they were always searching. They were always looking, uh, you know, they totally took what I said to heart, which was like, if you guys want to do something that you're normally told not to do, try it. And we'll just go with it. Cause there's a lot of people that are like, no, I don't want that. Or I don't want that. Or I don't want that. Um, I was like, no, just try it. Let's just see what we can do. Let's just all see what we can do. And I thought, I thought we had some really beautiful shows, really cool things. We had some really good um, fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. So I really enjoyed that. So that's, that's kind of my 
I was friendly with a lady named Jody, who was her assistant for years. And she did something in LA, Alanis did. It was a, it was a full orchestra with her performing. I'm trying to remember, but we got invited to it because of Jody. And it was like her doing the music for a movie, I think is what it was. So it was all live with her singing and everything. It was super, super neat. Um, it was, it was kind of like, well, I guess it was art is what it was. It was like, uh, I'm trying to think of her name. What it's, uh, she was big in the seventies. I think her song, something about Superman, but it was the whole performance art aspect of it. And I felt like she was doing this performance art piece. And it was really fun to see. I like, I like Alanis Morissette. She's neat. And to stay relevant too, it's hard, you know, it's really difficult. Yeah. So got to hand it to her for that kind of stuff. And those garbage people too. <laughs> I didn't want to leave <laughs> they, were, they were lovely. They were so lovely. Yeah. Well, it's good. Well, I think I'm out of questions unless you guys want to ask each other something or if there's anything else you wanted to bring up now that I bagged on Damien Hurst. You do that all day as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Raymond Pettibone. He actually did the artwork yeah. on the cover of my book. And that oh, was oh, my, cool. oh, yeah, I was so excited. I couldn't believe it. I don't know if anybody else or anybody would buy the book because of Raymond Pettibone, but it's a sense of accomplishment. It's uh, of being a letting people associate with you that you think totally, are really totally. cool, you know? And so it's, it's neat. There's something to be said. I still love the arts. And so it was good. I was actually an art history major and I didn't know what the hell to do with that. You know? So I, I started doing art department of film. I hated it. And then I started touring on the road and had nothing to do with art, but it was great. <laughs> so or does it have everything to do with art though? You know, like that's the, I don't the thing know. I liked about touring was, you get days off and even though you're tired, you can go see stuff on their dime. You can get to go to the museums and yeah. things that you wouldn't have necessarily made it to in your life. And that was a luxury that I, I really appreciated. Yeah. That was good. I, I love that too. A day off in the city. I mean, it's so, it's so rare that you have a day off that you don't have to do a, a thousand edits, but when you do have that day and you're able to go to, you know, whatever art place art museum is there. It's really special. Really cool. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, thank you ever so much. I look forward to talking to you guys all again. And if you ever need anything, yell at me. Thank you for having us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you, you so for having us. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, and subscribe by clicking the round button on the bottom, right? To learn more about me or the guests on the show, go to joelrody.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. The handle's Joel Rody. And don't forget, when you party like a rock star, don't be a dick. <laughs>